Hello everyone and welcome to the CEO Journals podcast. For those of you that are new here, I am your host Ethan Bridge and I just want to start off by saying thank you all for tuning in to today's episode. Let me introduce you to this week's guest on the show, Alan Lazarus. Years ago, after being involved in a nearly fatal car accident, Alan questioned everything. What if that was it? Did he courageously fight for what he believes in? Did he openly love, honestly and fiercely? Not liking his answers, he decided to change forever. Today, Alan is a professional speaker, peak performance business coach and consultant, and the co-host of the Hyperconscious podcast. He is here today to help you believe in yourself and your own brighter future, and to inspire, motivate, and educate you on how to make those goals and dreams come true. Physical health can often be overlooked as an entrepreneur or by someone that's completely fixated on their job. We become so fixated on the results of the business that our physical health and mental health can often take a back seat. However, if you're not at peak physical and mental health, how is your body supposed to be able to perform at its peak level? It simply can't. This is where Alan steps in. He's a fitness fanatic. Being a male model and having won men's physique competitions, he knows exactly how to train your body and mind to be its highest performing level. That's part of what Alan and I discussed today. Alan is incredibly knowledgeable and a phenomenal speaker, so I can't wait for you all to hear what he has to say. So, without any further ado, let's dive straight into today's episode. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CEO Journals. I'm super excited for today's episode because we have Alan Lazarus on the show. Alan, how are you doing today? I am doing awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It has been a crazy day so far with a lot of calls, but crazy days are awesome days because it's been super productive. That's what we like to hear. And now you're on a call with me, aren't you lucky? (laughs) So for the listeners who don't know who you are, would you mind just giving us a quick 60 second introduction of who you are and what you do, please? That's a huge challenge for me because as you know, if you listen to my content, I'm a little long winded. So 60 second intro, I would say at the core of who I am is that life is about choices. I definitely believe in something far greater than myself. I think we all you know, our spiritual beings having a human experience, but I think that we have the power of choice. And I think that's really what most of my life is focused around. And uh, I know that's a lot less than 60 seconds, but I think that will be a good premise to start the interview. That's fine. I love that start. The only reason I could try and narrow, narrow it down to six seconds, because when I first started this podcast, people would give me like five minute intros and they would just fill up the whole beginning of the podcast. And I wanted to get into the straight into the meat of it straight away. So that was a great, great start. Well done for cutting it right down. Um, so the way I like to start all my episodes is sort of throwing it back with my guests and talking about their time at school, just to give the listeners a bit of background of where you came from. So let's focus on a 16-year-old version of yourself. How were you in school? Were you a straight-A student, aced every class, bang average, coasted, or were you just the class clown? Ah, such a cool question. So I've never been asked that before on a podcast. So this is a first. 16-year-old me, I was the person who kind of didn't have any specific place. I was friends with all the different groups. I was friends with the athletes. You know, I was friends with the quote unquote nerds, all of that. But I was definitely very focused on academics. So I only got one B plus in all of high school. It was an honors English class. Honors English class. 
And I was huge into math and science, especially mathematics, absolutely obsessed with math. Um, went into engineering after that. But back in high school, I would say I, I wished that I was more athletic. I wanted to be athletic, but I was mostly focused on academics and academics came very naturally to me. Athletics did not. And now I'm kind of a mix of both, which is interesting. Yeah. So it's interesting that you say you wished you were at the time. If you had the same attitude you did now as you did back then and forced yourself to do things, do you think you would have done both and tried to balance both at the same time? Yeah. So if I could go back, and that's an interesting question, right? Because a lot of people ask, like, what would you do differently if you could go back? And a lot of people struggle with that answer because they're like, well, I don't have any regrets. I often say, that if you can find a way to be joyous, happy, and fulfilled with where you are today and who you are today, most importantly, who you are today, you'll not only be okay with where you've been, you'll actually be grateful for it. So I'm grateful for the adversities. I'm grateful for the choices that I made because I'm so happy and fulfilled with who I am now. That said, I think it's naive to think that I wouldn't do things differently if I had my current sense of awareness. So Mm. I often say this in my speeches. It's like if there's a parent who is babysitting a four-year-old and the four-year-old, God forbid, was to get hit by a car, whose fault is it, the kid or the parent? And most people in the audience would say it's the parent's fault. And I say, why? Awareness. The four-year-old was not aware that the cars are dangerous. The parent was. So therefore, it's their responsibility. So I think everything comes down to responsibility. But to circle back to your original question, if I could go back with my current sense of awareness and live differently, I would take more responsibility for my own choices from a conscious place. And so instead of, okay, I need to get good grades for my significance, I would question a little bit more, why do I want to get good grades? Am I here to really learn or am I here to get straight A's? And then more importantly, I think the craving that I had to be athletic was because I saw all the athletes getting all the praise, you know, quote unquote, getting attention from the girls, all that kind of stuff. In high school, athletes, athletics is very, very valued. And I don't think in high school, I felt very valued. I had a lot of insecurities around that. So if I could go back, I would be more hyper-conscious, more acutely aware of my decision-making paradigm. And I would would really focus on getting better at both simultaneously because they definitely intersect in terms of self-discipline and self-worth and self-respect. I do find the school sports in America uh, fascinating because here in the UK, we there's just no such thing as schools. Like we have all the sports teams, but they just mean nothing. You just like at the end of class, you say, Oh, I'm going to play football now. And you just go off, play school football in the evening. That'd be it. There's, there was no real sense of, it wasn't as seen as highly sought after as it is in America. So I just find this whole fact that, because essentially in America, the school sports is what you, is your foundation, isn't it? It's how you become professional. In most cases, you work your way up through college and then you end up going to be professional. Whereas in the UK, you just get scouted if you're good and that's it. It's nothing comes <laughs> through school. Nothing There's no comes structure through around that. No. Interesting. I didn't know that. That's new for me. Yeah. So if you're good, you'll get scouted at a young age and become professional. But in America, it's just completely different. Obviously you can go off early. You don't have to go through the whole system, but yeah, it just fascinates me that I wish it was more like that over here because I would have probably d- tried a lot harder at school sports. I was in all the teams, but there was just no real, no real good thing about being in the team. It was didn't add to your academic achievements. It didn't really get you anywhere. But anyway, other than that, back on track. Um, <laughs> so you finished school. You obviously you mentioned you were very academic. You became an engineer, didn't you? Before you 
went off and went on your own and you were pretty good. You were earning a six-figure salary at a very, very young age. That is the point that most people look at and aspire to be to. So at that age, do you, were you happy? Were you happy as a 24-year-old earning six figures? Why, why did it all change? So this is a very synchronistic question and it's, I'm really grateful that you're asking. I recently, so I have certain folders in my Dropbox that I'll save photos in. And I just created a folder called Perspective. And so I have Facebook and Facebook has something called Facebook Memories. And mm. I just saw a photo from me 12 years ago. And 12 years ago, that would make me 19, I believe. Yep, 19 years old. And back then, I was very ambitious, very academically sound, getting my engineering degree, all that stuff. I had internships at iRobot, different jobs. I, yes, was an engineer. I got my electrical and computer engineering degree from one of the top technical institutions in the world. It's kind of like a mini MIT. I don't know if you've heard of WPI. Great school. And, mm-hmm. and more importantly, the people I met there, uh, just brilliant, brilliant minds. And it's interesting because back then, my dream was to be a Fortune 50 CEO. And my hero back then was Steve Jobs. And I read Walter Isaacson's book, Steve Jobs. I think it's actually called Jobs. Mm-hmm. But I remember thinking to myself like, okay, that's, that's my end goal. I, 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 if life is about choices, and yes, money doesn't buy happiness, but it does buy choices. And that is the truth. You know, if you don't have any money, you can't necessarily choose exactly where you want to live. You can't necessarily choose to do this over that, right? You, 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 Oprah has a great quote. She says, do what you have to do until you can do what you want to do. If you have enough money, you can do what you want to do. And that just is the truth. And so money does not buy happiness or fulfillment, but it does buy freedom. And so that was my main focus. It was having choices. And my mom said that if I did really well in school, I could get into the right great college and then I would get a great job and then I would have choices. And she was absolutely right. I had tons of choices. What I didn't realize is that, no, I wasn't really happy. And now I go back to that perspective folder to remind myself that I wasn't happy. And now I live by a very specific sort of framework of reverse engineering regret. And so um, if you've watched some of my content, but for your listeners that haven't, I got in a car accident when I was 26 years old. And for your listeners who don't know this, my father passed away when I was two years old in a car accident. And so when I got in that car accident, this was not like a fender bender. My car was totaled. Fortunately, it was a steel trap. Um, It was a Volkswagen Passat 2004. I used to call it the tank. It was a very tanky car. And I thought that was it when I looked up and there's a whole story behind this that I won't go too deep into, but basically I, I honestly thought that would be the end of my life. And when it wasn't, I, I questioned the way I lived. And I often say this quote now, I, I wear this, you know, uh, North star around my neck. And I say this, you can't see the stars during the day. They're always there, but sometimes it takes the darkness to see clearly that which you simply couldn't, uh, couldn't, um, during the day. Mm-hmm. And so emotional pain is a guarantee. And this is something that I often tell people. When you're in emotional pain, the tendency is to avoid it or escape it into a vice. But if you can sit with it and develop a virtue instead, adversity actually becomes your advantage. And so the reason why I'm saying this is you're going to see something you never saw before. You're going to read something you never read before. You're going to meet someone you never met before. And so for me, after that car accident, I found a book by Bronnie Ware called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. 
And I realized, so she worked in hospice for eight years. We've actually since interviewed her on the show, which is really cool. Four and a half years later, unreal. Um, it was so good. But I now have a flashcard in my pocket that I've carried in my pocket for the last five years, five and a half years now. And it has all five regrets on it. But the number one regret of the dying, she worked in hospice with the terminally ill for eight years and she saw these common patterns of things people regret. The number one regret of the dying is I wish I had lived a life true to myself and not what others expected of me. And so to go back to your original question, I wasn't happy not because I didn't have a great life or a great future. I wasn't happy because I wasn't living a life true to myself. And yeah, I had success and I had a lot of what society deems as success, like the mm. degrees behind me. You know, I have my engineering degree. I had my MBA. I great technical institution, got straight A's in, in high school, like, you know, had a six figure sa salary. I was a 1% earner by the age of 24 and I made nearly $200,000 a year. And, and for a lot of people, they think that would make them happy. I think how you make your money is more important than how much. And even more than that, where you spend it mm. and what you spend it on is even more important. So don't worry so much about how much money you make. You know, the real important question that I would tell myself if I could go back is number one, you're not happy and that's okay. Admitting that, that admittance factor, that acquiescence, that, that like admittance of like, I'm not happy, that's okay, is the, st the start to finding answers. That's the start to looking for books. That's the start to looking for answers. But if you pretend you're happy, pretend that this is all there is and keep telling yourself that story like this is okay, then maybe you'll never. So for me, the humbling experience of the car accident really got me to question myself and the way I was living. And at the end yeah. of the day, it just comes down to I wasn't living a life true to myself. And that's the one message I would give to all your listeners is like really sit with, am I doing what I believe in? And I'll just end with this because I, I want to get on to the next question. And I, I know that, you know, I'm a little long-winded here, but when I, when I got in that car accident, I'll tell you what, that shook my snow globe. And I was asking myself these two questions. Number one, how courageously did I fight for what I believe in? And number two, how fiercely did I love? And I think that reverse engineering regret is choosing in advance who you want to be why you want to be that and then making sure you're living congruent with that every single day and so those top five regrets i journal every single night i have all five and i write them out and i rate myself from zero to ten and then if i don't get a 10 i say why i didn't so that i can take corrective action each day yeah i know one thing you did mention as well when you were talking about the money is one of the most important things is actually how you spent it do you think earning that amount of money at the age of 24, a young age, you were rather naive to the fact of how much it was and how you spent it did have negative effects on you. Very much, very much. So that's a great question too. So I would, I remember my 26th birthday, a uh, 25th birthday rather. We were at Mohegan Sun, which is a casino um, in Connecticut. And I had $3,000 cash in my pocket. And I remember my friends at the time, I had this big birthday party. My friends at the time were like, who, who carries $3,000 in their pocket? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, honestly, if I, they're like, that's dangerous. You shouldn't be doing that, right? And I said, I could lose all this and it honestly wouldn't matter. And at that time with my expenses so low and my income so high, it kind of becomes this interesting thing of, I don't really need this money necessarily. Like I'm not, 
I'm not starving. There's a lot of science behind this. Like in, yeah. in our country, anything above 70,000 at, at the current status of living in the current economy, although this is prior to COVID. So, so that's another thing, but that won't necessarily buy you happiness. But here's the interesting thing. What you do with your money actually can buy happiness in a couple ways. Number one, it can buy freedom, which can buy happiness. Number two, you can buy healthy foods, gym memberships, things like that. And health does buy happiness for sure, biochemically, how you feel. Giving it away to the right charities. Giving it away, investing it into companies or people or family members or charities or organizations that you believe in that are congruent with your core values. And then the other way that you can spend money that actually does biochemically buy happiness is, let's say I hate doing laundry, but I hire someone to do my laundry. That actually does again, buy happiness. And so people say money doesn't buy happiness. And I know what they're saying. And I think the, the real quote should be money does not buy fulfillment. To me, fulfillment only comes from when you're growing and when you're contributing beyond yourself. And money doesn't necessarily buy that. So back then I made a lot of money, but what I did with it, to answer your original question again, it's like I didn't have the personal development and awareness of personal finance and what I just explained, that I wasn't aware of those things back then. If I was, I would have spent my money way more wisely and I would have spent my time way more wisely. For sure. I think it's a really, really interesting way to look at it because a lot of these people around, the, around that age do just wish, oh, I want that six-figure salary. When, as you say, it's, the money is nowhere near the most important thing. It's one of the least important things. Well, it's not necessarily you still need the money, but... As you said, the way you make it is far more important. How you spend it is far more important. So why, why did you stop? So obviously the car crash happened, but you, what in your mind did you know you want to do? What you do now, I assume? Yes. Yes. When did that come about? Did you sort of just go straight in, straight away? Or was it a bit of time to sort of come to the realization that that is what you need to do with your life? So I mentioned at the very beginning of the show that life is about choices. And I'll tell you what, after that car accident, I was in a very dark place because I was questioning everything. Because again, like my dad did pass away at 28. I was 26 at the time and that could have been it and I knew it. And so, you know, I grew up my whole life hearing stories about John, my dad, and nobody talks about how he died. They talk about how he lived. And that message of like, it doesn't matter how you're going to die or when, it's going to matter how you lived while you were here. And if you can really sit with that and like go into a dark room by yourself and just think about it, like, am I going to be proud of who I am? And not pride in the bad sense, but pride in the sense of like, I'll tell you a quick story and then I'll get into yeah, go for it. your original question. So last year, on my, the anniversary of my father's death, my sister put flowers out and she posted on Facebook, I love you, dad. And I was having a really tough morning and I saw this and it was just like, I was just weeping and, and I reposted it and I said, you know, I work every day to, I hope you're proud of me. You know, I love you so much. And I was just bawling. And, and I think that was a really good healing process. What's interesting is the next day I got a, I got a, message on Snapchat from um, a young girl that I've mentored. And she said, I just lost my mom. Thank you so much for posting what you posted. It really helped me. And she said, I struggle with that same thing. I, I hope I make her proud. 
And in that moment, it was so interesting because I realized mentoring her, all your mom would really want is for you to be proud of yourself. And it was so obvious to me that her mom just wants her to be proud of herself. And then I thought to myself, I'm like, that's all my dad would really want. And I'm not talking about pride in terms of ego. I'm talking about like, are you genuinely pleased with who you've become? And do you genuinely believe that you're a good person and that you work hard and that you develop virtues and that you're doing good things for others and doing good things in the world? If you can really sit with that and go like, hell yeah, I'm a great person. That to me is real success. And so to get back to your original question, I didn't like my answer to those questions. Did I courageously fight for what I believe in? And did I love fiercely? No, I don't think I loved nearly as fiercely as I could because I was afraid to get hurt. And I certainly didn't courageously fight for what I believe in. I was an engineer because I was told life's about choices. I was good at math and I know engineers make a lot of money. That is not a good enough reason to choose an entire career, right? And so I kind of chased because I wanted to be a Fortune 50 CEO, I sort of chased that road without really thinking about what that would make of me. And so now it's about the journey, but here's the thing people don't realize. The destination you choose is going to dictate the journey. So make sure whatever destination you choose, whatever you plug into that GPS, that true north, that's going to guide you, make sure that's going to force you to face fears. That's going to force you to develop virtues. That's going to force you to meet incredible people. So choose a destination in advance that will force you to embark on an epic journey that you are proud of. And so to answer your original question, yes, I did go all in. So I made a decision. When you're in emotional pain, I'll tell you what, you will make a decision. You know, and, and for anyone out there, I'll give you a small example. If you've ever been bedridden from a, a health or like an illness, health issue, I'll bet you you made a decision on that deathbed to, to never you know, take your health for granted again. That's very different than, oh, I want to get in shape. See, that you can even yeah. feel the difference, right? So I'll tell you what, after that car accident, I went all in on my dreams, all in. And I have a specific mission to inject belief in other people so they believe in their brighter future so that they actually start investing in it. And I've never looked back. Now I'm a podcaster, speaker, you know, natural men's physique, fitness model. I always wanted to be a model, but I was always too scared or didn't do it. I always wanted to be a speaker. But I did what other people... I think I did what I thought I should be doing rather than really checking in and doing what was in my heart. And now, you know, when I answer those questions, how courageously did I fight for what I believe in and how fiercely did I love? I'm going to love my answers. Yeah, for sure. And congratulations. Because that must have been an incredibly difficult time for you as well. So you've had that car crash and it's brought up these memories of your father I can't even begin to put myself in the position you must've been feeling. So being able to one, even pick yourself up out of that position mm-hmm. is remarkable. And so then being able to push yourself into what you have done today up to today is incredible. So congratulations on that. So, but something I do want to talk about then particularly then is your fitness journey as well. And why specifically why fitness is so important, especially in entrepreneurship, because it can somewhat take a back seat. I feel in the fact that we are so focused on chasing results that on in, on, in a business perspective, we're so focused on achieving new clients and we get so focused in the business aspect that we lose concentration on ourselves, especially when it comes to health. So where did you pick, cause you said you weren't um, involved in fitness back in the day when you were in school. So when did you become so involved in this space? Oh, great questions. So 
that was one of the biggest regrets I had uh, after the car accident, which was just, I was not proud of my physique. I was not proud of the way I took care of my health. Uh, I worked for a company called Cognex back then, and, and Cognex is a wonderful company, so I say nothing bad about them, but they have a motto called work hard, play hard. And I was in technical sales, and you know the sales culture does involve drinking, and I used to say work hard, play harder. You know, and so I drank too much and too often. I had my high school friends who who liked to drink. I had my college friends who liked to drink, mm. you know, and I had my new corporate friends that also drinking is a big part of the culture. So alcohol was just a big part of everything in my life. And now it's not at all. Um, and that's honestly the biggest vice that I've ever overcome. It's pretty, pretty incredible to to look back on that whole journey. But that was the real regret of like, I didn't take good care of my body. I wasn't proud of my physique. I didn't have like a lot of real confidence in my appearance. And again, after that car accident, it was like, I'm all done being mediocre. I'm all done letting myself down. I often say to people in my speeches and, and on the podcast, if you had a friend who broke as many promises to you as you've broken to yourself, how much would you value? that friendship. Yeah. And by the way, if you don't value yourself, it's most likely because you've been breaking promises to yourself. So if you want self-respect, I mean, I, I study a lot of speakers just because I want to be a speaker and I'm always so fascinated by the greats like Martin Luther King, for example. And Martin Luther King says this one thing that has always stuck with me in this one speech. He says, I want you to have a deep belief in your own dignity, your own worth, and your own somebodyness." And I think so few of us have that, you know, it's like, and for Martin Luther King, for example, it's like the struggles he went through. It's like, if he didn't believe in himself, there's no possibility he could have gotten through all that shit. And I, that's my main focus is like fitness saved my life in a lot of ways because the vice that controlled me was alcohol. I chose in advance to be the greatest natural aesthetic men's physique athlete. And now all of a sudden the vice had a real downside to it. In other words, Mm -hmm. if you have no fitness goals, there's no, there's no consequence to drinking. Really. If you have huge fitness ambitions and you believe you can attain them and you care about them, I, I chose something that I care about more than my habit of drinking alcohol. And that has changed everything. And so what I tell people now is like, listen, like, you want to feel good about yourself. You want that proud feeling. You want self-respect. It comes from staying in alignment with maximizing your potential and really making good choices again, choices. Yeah. Thing is though, going to the gym is one thing. Like getting, getting into fitness and going to the gym is one thing, but you competed on stage. You took it to that peak level that takes an incredible amount of discipline because yes, we can all say that we go to the gym. I go to the gym every day. It's difficult in this pandemic because they're all shut. So it's I difficult know. to get motivated. But <laughs> That's been the hardest I, part of the pandemic for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still making sure I do my daily exercise. I do, I've been going out on 30, 40, 50 mile cycle rides. I've been wow. making sure I do my weight training every day. I'm nowhere near the size of you, put it that way. But I'm making sure I'm keeping moving because when you're stuck inside all day, it's difficult to. But anyway, back to the fact that you competed on stage. That is a whole nother level. 
that must have taken some serious, serious discipline. Because there's, there's discipline in the fact that just exercising every day and making that a habit. But getting to the level of where you can compete on stage is just, I, can, I, I, I hate to say it, but I just couldn't think of even possibly putting myself in that position. Because the diet, I have, I have an okay diet. That's probably where I, I lack. I do, eat, I do like my sweet treats and <laughs> I do fall culprits to those. But your diet has to be incredibly on point. Your sleep has to be perfect. Everything has to be perfect to compete on stage. How did you find yourself getting into that disciplined mode and just making sure that everything was spot on? Because it has to be spot on if you want to win. Right. So I think you just, you just brought up a really interesting point about the human condition, right? If you have a dream or a goal that you deeply care about, and then you stack the reasons why you care about it, like we all have, like for your listeners right now, think of the person you love most in the world. What would you do for them? Your immediate response was to anything. Okay. What if you treated your goals like that? I would do anything for that person. And here's the interesting thing. You rub off on that person I just mentioned. I, I'm thinking of my girlfriend right now. I rub off on her every day. So if I would do anything for her, why aren't I maximizing my own potential? Because I know that will influence her in a positive way. And so you hit a really good point there, which is if you want to be disciplined in fitness, set a really big goal that forces you to be. Now, here's the conundrum. If you don't believe in yourself, it's going to be very hard for you to set a really big goal. So for me, my goal was to win a national men's physique show. And what's interesting is I've competed three times. I came in fifth the first time, first the second time, and fourth the third time. And now this year, I'm hoping, assuming the pandemic ends, to compete for my pro card. But what's really cool is that this simple principle of, Les Brown says this, People don't fail in life because they aim too high and miss. They fail in life because they aim too low and they hit. I really believe that. And I know why people aim low. It's because they struggle with self-confidence. So start small, build some self-confidence, and be audacious. Have the courage to say, you know what? I'm going to compete on stage one day, or I'm going to do this marathon, or I'm going to you know, do this triathlon. I did a triathlon. It was brutal, but it was awesome. And what's cool is it doesn't matter. The trophy doesn't matter. I have a trophy behind me, you know, from, I'll give you a perfect example. These degrees behind me. Okay. One of them is a electrical and computer engineering degree from WPI. That was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I graduated with high distinction and I can tell you guys the late nights and the early mornings, like that was anyone who's got an engineering degree. It's, it's brutal. Okay. It's, it's nothing short of brutal. But the degree on the wall doesn't matter. Who I had to become to achieve that is what mattered. The skills I had to develop, the people I had to meet, the fears I had to face, you know, the character traits I had to develop. So to me, you ask me, how did you stay so disciplined? How did you achieve these great fitness results? I would say I set audacious goals that forced me to stay accountable. And then second piece is I got around someone who was already where I wanted to be. So after that car accident, I met a man by the name of Nate Smithson. He's still a dear friend to me today. Uh, we actually talk like every other week. It's supposed to be every week, but my calendar's been a little crazy. And he was already in the very shape I wanted to be in. So I just picked his brain. I stayed around him. I hung out with him. I helped him with entrepreneurship and business and finance and understanding the economy. He helped me get in shape. and 
that's what I would say. I would say, number one, have the audacity and the self-belief to choose in advance what you really want, not based on what you think you can get, but what you actually want. I use the genie question. If a genie, you rubbed the lamp and a genie popped out and you could be the best in the world at any three things, what would they be? And just think like about that for a second. Most people set goals based on what they think they can get, not on what they really want. Have the audacity and the courage to say what you really want. Then go find the person's places, things, and ideas that will help you get there. Yeah. And have the courage to aim high. And I think that's going to, that's the best answer I can give for that because I just believed. I just believed. And, and I lost my first show, fifth place. I got smoked, man. There was only six people. I got fifth out of six. And I didn't give up. The next year I came back stronger. I just refused to give up because I believed in it so much. I think that's huge as well, especially saying surrounding yourself with the right people and who you aspire to be like. That is the main reason I started this podcast. I am talking to people week in, week out who are in the position that I want to be in. Perfect. It's, it's a life hack, this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being, being I yes, get to it is. people for free for at least an hour a week who charge for that. They charge a ton of money for that. And I get to do it for free because I've got a platform. And this podcast, it's been brilliant. You will be episode, I don't even know, 46 now. Nice. I've spoken to 46 incredibly successful people. It's been incredible. And it, it's lifted me as a person. I've learned an incredible amount, more than I could have ever imagined. And I've built a great network. I've made some incredible connections, built great relationships, and I will continue to do so. It's been amazing. So, I mean, nothing else matters to me with this podcast. Not in it for the money, nothing, none of that. I earn no money from this. I just build incredible connections and learn so much. It's why I did it. It's the only reason I did it. So I love that you hit on that point. But I'd love to think. Yeah, it is. I'd love to talk about your five fundamentals of natural fitness. So sleep, yep. nutrition, training, mobility, and hydration. Mm-hmm. Um, why are these five so important? So you've probably heard of a principle called Pareto's principle. Have yep. you? Okay. So for the listeners who might not have heard of that, it's a very simple principle. 20% of your daily actions are responsible for 80% of your results in any arena. So a good example of this is you probably wear about 20% of your clothes 80% of the time or you probably spend about 80% of your time in 20% of your house, right? And once you realize that 20%, I'm a systems guy, so engineering thought here, bear with me. Inputs and outputs. Newton's third law says that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Now, obviously, for any physicists, physicists out there, I understand that Newton is basically about mechanics, And quantum physics is a different thing. But for the sake of this conversation, inputs and outputs do matter. So 20% of your daily actions are responsible for 80% of your results. What if you take 20% of that 20%? You get 4%. What if you take 20% of that 20%? You get 0.8%. If you take 20% of 0.8%, you get 0.16%. Okay. I, for all of your listeners, this is the biggest cheat code in the game. What are the 0.16% of your actions that make the biggest difference? Focus all of your concern there. This is my coaching. So I do business consulting, peak performance coaching. I do fitness, all that. What are the things that actually matter? I'll I'll tell you a quick story so that it's not just mathematics. Hmm. My ex-girlfriend, 
wanted to be in shape. And I remember her saying, what do you think of L-glutamine? Because I was the fitness guy, right? And I said, honestly, sweetheart, don't worry at all about L-glutamine. And what did I mean? I said, until you're sleeping right, until you're hydrating enough, until you're eating the right amount of calories and the right macronutrients, until you're training every day the right way and you know, foam rolling and stretching. every L-glutamine, in terms of things that actually move the needle and matter, is so far. And so what I tell people is this. The fitness industry is a tornado of misinformation that has strayed from the fundamentals. If you want to look at what's, what gets people exceptional, it's the fundamentals repeated consistently over time. Okay, I have a book called The Compound Effect right here. If, I don't know if you've read this book. Um, one of my heroes, Darren Hardy, he, I, I promote this book all the time. He doesn't even know I promote it. I've never actually personally met him, but I, one of his main mentees is actually a close friend of mine. Her name's Britt. She spoke on one of our stages. But the point is this. The compound effect of the fundamentals in fitness, sleep, hydration, nutrition, training, and mobility, those are the thing that, things that actually matter but you can't really sell those. So instead we focus on protein powders and L-glutamine and pre-workout yeah. supplements. Now those are all additional things that you can do, but don't focus too much time and energy on there. If you're going to play basketball, get good at the chest pass, get good at shooting, get good at three pointers, get good at foul shots, get good at dribbling, get good at focus there. Focus on the fundamentals. We lose sight of the fundamentals. And I think that's the biggest mistake we can make. So specific to fitness, do you want me to go into each pillar quickly? Yeah. Just okay. touch on each one very briefly. Very briefly. Okay. So sleep, I say you should be getting eight hours of sleep per 24. Some people say you don't need more sleep. That's absolute crap, especially if you want to be super productive. Like as an entrepreneur, if you, if you have a creative job, I'll just tell you this. So we have a lymphatic system. When I jump up and down, my cells waste goes through my lymphatic system. Our brain doesn't have that. The only time our brain clears out the junk is at night during REM because our cerebral fluid clears that stuff out. So they're actually linking Alzheimer's to bad sleep now just so everyone knows. Sleep more. Your muscles, protein synthesis will happen better. You'll recover better. You need to sleep and you get, get quality sleep. I use earplugs, face mask, all that. Hydration. Take your body weight, multiply by 0.6. That's the number of ounces per day you need. For me, I get at least 120 ounces per day because I'm like 100 and I'm probably almost 200 pounds. Okay. I'm like 193 as of the other day, but I also was not very hydrated at that time. So it's probably like 197. Semantics. Okay. Sleep, hydration, nutrition. So nutrition, there's two things that matter most. Try to focus on what matters most. Number one, caloric intake. So if I want to gain weight, I must eat more calories than I burn in a day. If I want to lose weight, I must eat less calories than I burn in a day. Okay, it's like a bank account. You can't yeah. expect to get wealthy if you always spend more than you make. Okay, so calories in versus calories out is number one. Track your caloric intake. Number two, macronutrients, carbs, proteins, and fats. Every carb has four calories. Every protein has four calories. Every fat has nine calories. A lot of people don't know that. They think foods are fattening. What they're really saying is they're high in calories because there's a lot of fat. Okay? Training. Weight training is way more important than everything else in my opinion. Picture muscle mass as an investment account. Cardio is... So weight training is an investment account. Cardio is a savings account. A savings account Okay, I'll just give you a quick example. You and me both go on a walk. We walk a mile. I'm going to burn almost twice as many calories as you. Do you know why? No. Because I have more muscle mass. Yeah. Muscle mass burns a lot of calories. So if you think about this on a day-to-day, -day, if mm. you spend time, the number one 
reason why people don't win in fitness, in my honest opinion, especially in terms of their aesthetics, is that they are trying to lose weight and build muscle simultaneously. You're chasing two rabbits, you're going to catch neither. Instead, go in cycles. Do weight gain built muscle building phases and then fat burning phases so that each time you have more muscle and less fat each phase. Okay. And then last is mobility. Stay hydrated. I mean, um, stay mobile. Hydration is one way to stay mobile. By the way, the more hydrated you are, the less your joints, ligaments, and tendons will take the weight of the load. It's basically injury prevention. So I have a foam roller right in the corner here. I've got a bunch of different uh, stretch bands that I'll do. I do 10 minutes a day. So real quick five, weigh yourself every day. Hydrate consistently throughout the day. Weight train every single day for probably 30 minutes or more. Make sure that you're focused on strength. Make sure that you're eating the right amount of calories based on your goal of losing weight or building muscle. That's a keyword. Or foam roll every single day and stretch every day. And if you do those five or six things, those half a dozen things every day, you will be in unbelievable shape over time. The key is consistency. So few people can be consistent on anything. And I think that's the biggest bottleneck. I have a feeling you could have spoken about those for a couple of hours. <laughs> you struggled to keep it very brief, but no, that, yes, was, I did. that, that was superb. So thank you for that. Um, thank you. One thing I, I do want to touch on as well, because I, I'm, this might sound quite controversial from my point of view, because I know we are in a very all accepting society, but I think you're, you're basically a walking billboard. I think the way you look says a lot about your personality and who you are, especially in a working environment. If you're able to look after yourself and take care of yourself and you can put that much effort into that, you're going to have the same attitude towards work, I feel. How do you feel about that sort of attitude? I think it's an interesting thing because there's this notion that we should all love ourselves and I understand and, and, and you should yes. in a sense but at the same, I think this is, there's an interesting book called The Self-Made Billionaire Effect. And there's this one thing that I always go back to. They studied billionaires who were self-made and they, the common patterns, okay? And a lot of your uh, listeners are young entrepreneurs, right? And I, I'm not saying you want to be a billionaire necessarily, but the point is this. The, one of the common themes they found is that self-made billionaires had the ability to hold two seemingly opposing ideas in their consciousness simultaneously. I'll give you an example being fully present, but also planning for the future. Those seem like diametric opposites. But if you're only ever present and never plan for your future, I can tell you wholeheartedly that's a bad idea. If you only focus on the future and you're never present and enjoying yourself, that's also a bad idea. So how do you balance the two? So I think life is this dance between two extremes. And so to answer your question, on one hand, you do have to love yourself and accept yourself for who you are. Yes but not to the point where you're just okay with being mediocre. And I'm not saying mediocre in any negative way. What I mean is this, stand naked in front of the mirror and really take a look. Are you proud of you? All I care about, all I want for your listeners and for everybody is to self-respect, self-esteem. This world would be such a better place if we had self-esteem and self-respect. And I think the number one reason we don't have self-esteem and self-respect is because we're letting ourselves down. And you can tell yourself a story all day that it's okay that you're not going to the gym, that it's okay, that you're not taking your health seriously. But trust me, I've been there. That is eroding your self-esteem. And when we're unhappy, we make those around us unhappy. We do less savory things, right? So I would say start small, admit to yourself that yes, you are a walking billboard. 
there's this great quote, God looks on the inside, people look on the outside, at least at first. Okay. I know we wish no one judged us, but they do. People do judge books by their cover. People do at first judge a book by its cover. They have nothing else to go on. This is, there's a great book called Blank that talks about snap judgments and the science behind all that. And I don't need to go into all that, but the point is this. If you feel good about you and you show up as a strong, healthy human being who's, con- who's living congruent with their core values, you are going to have more influence on other people. You're going to be more successful. You're going to be happier. Your relationships will be better sexually, professionally, you know, friendships, family, all of it. When you feel good, you're more likely to do good, not only for others, but also for yourself. And so you are a walking, talking billboard. People are going to take a look, whether it's conscious or not. And it's really, you know, there's statistics around this and stuff too. Accept yourself, love yourself, but not at the expense of positive action. I couldn't have put it better. That was, yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. I know we're getting on for time. So I do want to quickly ask you about the thing I ask every single episode, which is about your two biggest failures in your journey so far. Because I feel with social media nowadays, we're only really exposed to the highlight world, especially in the entrepreneurial world. We are all of these people we see on social media just take pictures of their fancy cars. They're on nice holidays, nice houses, but we never actually saw the the road it took them to get there. It's it's not sunshine and rainbows. We know that for sure. They they went through a hell to get to that point. Yet we didn't see that. So right. I like to talk about the failures because it brings it back to reality because they happen. Admittedly, they always will happen, and you have to be prepared for them. So what do you think? are your two biggest failures in your journey so far? So the first thing I'll say before I answer that is I'll never forget when I talked to Tim Grover. It's uh, I have a, another flashcard in my pocket about how to be relentless. He wrote a book called Relentless. And he was Michael Jordan's personal trainer for 15 years. And I'll never forget when he said that Michael Jordan missed more shots per time on the floor than almost anyone. And what I find fascinating by that is that he's arguably the best basketball player to ever live. So if anyone wants to question whether or not failure is the road to success, remember every single failure is a report card on your shortcomings that you can now work on. We're 350 episodes into the podcast. You said you're 47. Every single one, there's something to improve. There's no such thing as perfect, but there is the pursuit of perfect. And there's, those are two very different notions. So my two biggest failures I would say one was when I started a company when I was about probably around your age called Campus Libre. It was supposed to be a campus specific Craigslist for textbooks. And eventually we were going to adapt that into like selling sofas and Xboxes and people are in and out of college all the time. There was another competitor called Uloop and we had a great team. So basically surrounded myself with three of the smartest people I know. We all had this grand division. I remember thinking we we had 3,400 unique users within like a single day or something like that. We were profitable right out of the gate and all things seemed shiny. I was the, uh, the marketing, the CMO, so chief marketing officer. Me and the CEO had a falling out and there was this really long like four hour call where I was bawling my eyes out because basically I could tell that, you know, we weren't, our visions were diverging and I was basically out. And so after that, nothing came of the company. But I remember for me, that was really emotionally hard for me because I really poured my heart and soul into that. And so what I'll say to your listeners, the main takeaway there is you're not going to regret the things that you try and fail. You're going to regret not trying. And I'll tell you what, like 
having that experience from a young age made me super resilient. And it, it woke me up too, because anyone who thinks they're going to be Zuckerberg with their first business, it's, it's, you got to be careful of the anomalies, right? You, you got to understand that there's a few things you can control. You can control your intelligence. You can control your work ethic. You can control your self-discipline. You can control the people you surround yourself with and your habits and your personal development. But you're not going to be able to control how the market handles your first product or how your team reacts to their own personal issues and stuff like that. So narrow your circle of concern to things you can control. Focus your time and energy there. And then when you fail take ownership for whatever you should own and, and move forward more effectively. The second failure, um, I spent way too long in my honest opinion in a relationship that was not serving me nor yeah. my mission. And so what's interesting about this is I now have a flashcard in my pocket with my six core values. I'll just go through them quickly. So undying self-belief, personal development, natural health and fitness, massive dreams congruent with one's highest level of contribution, humility in action, and a giving heart. Okay, so those are the core values that I live by. I make all my decisions based on that. Okay, I didn't know those back then. When I came up with these core values, it was when I was in deep emotional pain because I was with someone who I dated in high school. We reconvened about a decade later, and for a while there, it worked really well. Her father was actually an amazing mentor of mine. And this is nothing against her. She's, she's wonderful. But we don't have, I always say this now, this is the lesson. All challenges in relationships, whether it's intimate or friendships or otherwise, come down to, in my opinion, two main causes, goals in conflict or core values in conflict. As soon as I found out my core values and I really looked at how many core values we shared, it was like, Oh, wow. Okay. Now I understand why this is just not working. Right. And so I spent too much time trying to make something work that was clearly not right for me. And I would say that that willingness to beat my head up against the wall for so long is a weakness that I have to be careful of. And now I've surrounded myself with people that I've given permission to give me the truth when they think that I'm doing that, because I know that that's a tendency that I have because yeah, my work ethic, I, I'll leave your listeners with this. Every strength has a weakness that comes with it. Undying self-belief, huge strength. What's the weakness? Arrogance. Thinking mm. you can do everything on your own, right? Okay. Um, so here's what I'll tell your listeners. I have insanely high work ethic. I'll just say it. I, I, I work really hard, very ambitious. Um, but here's the problem. I'm so into consistency that yes, I'm super consistent, but sometimes I'm consistent doing the wrong thing, right? And so understanding the strengths and weaknesses of each character trait is huge. Those are my two biggest failures and the lessons that I learned. Thank you so much for sharing those, well, especially the second one, because that was very personal to you. And no one's really gone into a relationship as their failures. So love a new point, love a new point. So that rounds off the bulk of today's episode. And thank you so much because you have answered all my questions incredibly. They have been amazing answers every single time, extremely thorough, and you clearly know what you're talking about, especially when it comes to fitness. I could have had you on this podcast for four or five hours and we could have had an unreal conversation. But there are, there are certain time constraints. Not all episodes can be like a Joe Rogan podcast. Exactly. Um, and thank you so much for those kind words. I appreciate it.
Thank you. But I do round off every episode with a final five. So just five quick fire questions that I ask. Cameron, let's do it. Question number one. Who is the first person, who is the first person that comes to mind when I say the word successful? Mm. Emilia, my girlfriend. Oh, I like that. I won't ask you. Is there any one particular reason that does stand out? I was going to say I won't ask you why because it's very personal. She's but. successful. No, that's okay. She's successful in everything. She's a, she's the best. To me, true success is being an incredible human being. Um, she asked me one time, what's, your, what's the best thing? What are you most proud of about the podcast? I said, we have over 300 episodes about how to be a better person you know, personal development, how to yeah. be a better person all around. So I thought about that for a second when you asked me, I thought of her because she's so, she's such a good person. She's such a good person. She inspires me by just, she's such a good person. Amazing. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Number two, what is the best investment you've ever made? So this can be money, time, energy, or simply an Amazon purchase. I purchased a course by my hero, Darren Hardy, who wrote The Compound Effect called insane productivity and it was two thousand dollars it was four payments of 495 and i'll tell you what that was worth every penny um it's single-handedly the best money i've ever spent because it has taken my life to a whole new level it is it is just he was the publisher of success magazine and he's picked the brains literally he's interviewed steve jobs he's interviewed you know mark zuckerberg he's interviewed the greats yeah. and figured out the the distinctions of what they do differently that course is unbelievable. And no, I do not get a kickback for anyone who, <laughs> who purchases that. There is, there is a common factor when people answer that question. 90% of the people will either say mentorship or a specific course that they've bought. And, so, and I think that's, it's, I just find that really interesting because a lot of people are scared to jump in and spend that amount of money on mentorship or a course. But it does go to show like I'm speaking to successful people and they are saying the best investment they've ever made are these mentorship programs or these courses that they've invested. So just go to show that there's, if you invest in yourself, if you are willing to put that money up front, you may, you may not think you can afford it, but it will pay dividends in the long run if you there's, can pull yourself to put that money forward. There's no money, better money you can spend than on your own personal development. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah I love Amazing. that question. Question number three, do you have a quote that you live by or think of often? I imagine you have loads, but just one, please. <laughs> uh, I do have loads. If I were to pick one, it would be we all are going to go through emotional pain. Emotional pain is a given. What you do about it is not. When you're in emotional pain, you will be tempted to escape into a vice. It could be marijuana, it could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be Netflix, it could be food. But if you can have the courage to not escape into a vice and instead develop a virtue, you will have a magnificent life. Amazing. Question number four, one before the last. Penultimate question. What advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Life is about choices. Make sure you're making them consciously. And do not make your decisions based on what is pleasurable in the moment. Instead, make your decisions based on your core values. 
Awesome. I ask that question very selfishly because I'm 21. So anyone, <laughs> so I just say, what advice would you give to your 20, 21 year old self? Just so I can take everything on board. <laughs> so Such final question. Yeah. Final question of the episode. And it's a morbid way to end the episode. So I do apologize in advance, but I get seriously interesting answers to this question. And it's, are you afraid of dying? I would say I was in the past. I would say to answer vulnerably and honestly yes to a degree but not not nearly as much as i would have in the past because i am proud of who i've become and i am proud of the legacy that i will have left and to me legacy is about the impact the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is and if you can look in the mirror and say hell yeah I live a magnificent life. I'll just end on this. I'll say this. I tell people at the end of my speeches, I say this. I do not wish for you to have an easy life. I don't. I wish for you to have a deeply meaningful one. And honestly, I don't think you can have a deeply meaningful life without pain and adversity and struggle and challenge. You know why? Because you can't grow. And if you can't grow, you can't contribute. And if you can't contribute, what else is there? So, I agree. What a way to end the episode. Thank you so much for answering all my questions. I'd like to hand it over to you now. Where can my listeners follow up with you? What have you got going on? Where can they find you? So I appreciate that. This has been really, really, really cool. Really interesting. Um, It's interesting. You get to ask these questions and you dig deep into your soul and what gets uncovered is really, really pretty wonderful. So thank Thank you. you for all the great questions. Where can you find me? So if you are interested, if, if, if you are looking to have a better life and to maximize your impact and to really grow, if you're into personal development, I'll say that. If you're into personal development and you want to reach out, even if my services or what we do or our podcast or whatever is not for you, I guarantee you I know someone who can help you. So if you have big dreams, if you have goals, reach out on Instagram at alazarus88. It's A-L-A-Z. A-R-O-S-8-8 on Instagram. You can go to the hyperconsciouspodcast.com. You can look up hyperconscious uh, on Google and or iTunes or any of that. Reach out to me. And even if I personally can't help you, between me and my assistant, we're always combing DMs to make sure everyone's getting helped. Even if I can't help you, I will definitely point you in the right direction. Amazing. I will leave all of those in the show notes as well. So listeners, don't worry about remembering those. Just simply scroll down and they'll all be there. But Alan, thank you so much again for joining me on this episode of CEO Journals. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. So that's going to wrap up today's episode of the podcast. And I can't thank you all enough for listening. I aim to interview some of the most incredible entrepreneurs every single week. So if you found any value in listening to today's episode, I'd seriously appreciate if you could smash that subscribe button and leave a five star rating and review. It only takes a couple of seconds and will help me secure some of the greatest names in business as guests on the show. If you want to reach out to me, head over to my Instagram at CEO Journals or send me a connection request on LinkedIn. I'd love to speak to as many of you as possible. Be sure to tune in next week where I'll be talking to another incredible guest where we will be discussing their journey and providing some great tips for all you listeners. 
I hope you have a lovely rest of your day. And once again, thank you for tuning in to today's episode of CEO Journals.